In Japan, there is a philosophy of death and no philosophy of life. Kiyoshi Kiyosawa, Japanese historian, January 1945. There is a point beyond which we will not tolerate insult. If the Russians are convinced that we are afraid of them and can be bullied into submission, then indeed I should despair of the future relations with them and much else. Prime Minister Winston Churchill to President Franklin D. Roosevelt, March 1945. The Big Three smiled at the world from the grounds of the Lavadia Palace in the Crimean resort town of Yalta. It was February 1945. The chill blowing off the Black Sea pressed the leaders into greatcoats and fur hats. Prime Minister Winston Churchill, President Franklin D. Roosevelt, and Marshal Joseph Stalin were meeting here to carve up the old continent devastated by war and decide the outline of the post-war world. Peace in Europe was at hand. The destruction and unconditional surrender of Germany were imminent. Japan's defeat would assuredly follow. Roosevelt had honoured his agreement with Churchill to defeat Germany first, and the bulk of Allied troops were then in Europe. From the West, over the previous six months, General Eisenhower's armies had swept across northern France, freed Paris, defeated Germany's last stand at the Battle of the Bulge, and reached the shores of the Rhine. From the east, Soviet tanks, troops and artillery had rolled across the Baltic, smashed the Nazi grip on Poland, and stood on the threshold of the Fatherland, 65 kilometres from Berlin. No conflict had matched in scale and fury the battle on the Eastern Front, where the Red Army and the Wehrmacht were locked in the vestigial shambles of total war. Millions of troops had been killed or wounded, and countless civilians slaughtered, raped, or left homeless. From his Berlin bunker, the Führer continued hysterically to issue orders that imagined pristine armies on the march, where there were only ragged columns of bleeding, hungry, broken men. Winter kept them warm. The Big Three made a great show of friendship at Yalta, hosting banquets, raising toasts, joking. Photographs present Roosevelt, perhaps the greatest Democrat, now very sick, sitting up in his wheelchair, wrapped in a black cape, evoking the patrician hauteur of a Roman tribune. Churchill, lounging about in his greatcoat, like a breathless bulldog, radiating delight at the top table, cigar smoke trailing in the direction of his loquacious argument. And Stalin, small and sharp amid the gathering darkness, in his flashing eyes and faithless smile, a fixity of purpose that seemed to concentrate the air of menace that preceded him like a personal storm. In the closing stages of the conference, Stalin offered an eloquent expression of goodwill tinged with a warning. It is not difficult to keep unity in time of war, he toasted his comrades in arms since there is a joint aim to defeat the common enemy. 
The difficult talk will come after the war, when diverse interests tend to divide the Allies. It is our duty to see that our relations in peacetime are as strong as they have been in war. Mutual distrust between Anglo-America and the Soviet Union simmered at Yalta. The Big Three brought deep suspicion and clandestine intent to the table. Several great issues threatened to destabilize or possibly break the West's alliance with Moscow. The question of German and Polish borders, the political status of Eastern Europe, and the terms of Russia's involvement in the Pacific War. Long before Yalta, the danger of the Soviet Union had occupied anxious discussions in the State Department.